0: Ready, James? Yeah, we are uh, up on Facebook, Shay. And go ahead, you can start our Google Hangout as well, too, as all of you welcome into a special edition of the Carolina Weather Group. I am James Briarton here in Charlotte, North Carolina. We have the Carolina Weather Group panel all together on this October the 9th, 2018, just past 9 o'clock Eastern time. We're going to be covering... Hurricane Michael, who is forecasted to become a tropical storm and impact us here in the Carolinas later on this week. And we're going to be breaking that down for you region by region in just a moment. Of course, we want to let you know that this is a live broadcast. If you're joining us right now, 9.06 p.m. Eastern Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, and Periscope. So if you have any questions, feel free to get those in. And we're going to be answering those closer to about 9.30, 9.35 or so. Before then, what we're going to do is we're going to walk you through the forecast and then we're going to go region by region with each one of our panel experts to find out what their thoughts are for the different regions, different aspects of the Carolinas. So that's going to be coming up here in the next few minutes. Wanted to give you that rundown. Also, uh, thank you again for watching us here in the Carolina Weather Group. We know it's hasn't been too long since Hurricane Florence and here we are again talking the tropics on this Tuesday night and uh, we know you have all sorts of options to get not only weather information, but also entertainment on this Tuesday. So thank you for watching us. This is us, guys. Anyone else missing? This is us in order to watch us. No, that's not a thing anymore. That wasn't as cool as it was two years ago. So, uh, Either way, let's uh, let's get right on into this and talk about uh, where the hurricane is right now as of 9 o'clock. It is a Category 3 storm. It is in the Gulf of Mexico. Here is our outlook from the National Hurricane Center in Miami. You can see we've got a number of storms out there right now, but the one that we are most concerned about... Is that big red swirling dot there just off of the coast of Florida, the panhandle of Florida, under the gun here over the course of the next few hours or so as this hurricane uh, makes its eye on a landfall here in not too distant future? Matter of fact, if we put the uh, forecast cone up from the National Hurricane Center, you can see that it is forecast to become a major hurricane, which it did earlier today. That means it's a Category 3 storm, and it's going to make its way up through portions of Alabama and Georgia after making that landfall in the panhandle of Florida. Before impacting us here in the Carolinas forecast again to be tropical storm strength starting by at least Thursday. But of course, when we look at this cone, and we're going to be talking about this, this is the average, this is where we think the eye of the storm is going to be. So certainly we expect those uh, effects of the storm to be here a little bit sooner. And that's why you see along the Carolina coast there in yellow and in blue, the tropical storm watches along North Carolina. to tropical storm warnings along portions of South Carolina and Georgia, those warnings already in effect at this average because the storm is going to be here even sooner than uh, you may realize. In just a moment, Shay Gibson from Charleston, South Carolina, is going to walk us through some of the data that we're anticipating with this storm. But just to give you a quick glance at what it is that we're expecting with this storm, we're expecting tropical storm force winds. This is the probability of seeing some of those. And the darker the red, the darker the shade of color, the more likely that we're going to be seeing that. We're also going to be watching again for a a flooding threat. Uh, You know, we uh, already have saturated ground after Florence lot of that water has run off, but not all of it. We've had rain in the forecast here in the Carolinas the past few days, and we're anticipating that central parts of the uh, region here will get yet more rain. So we're going to talk about flooding. We're going to even talk about that isolated tornado threat coming on up. But I don't want to go through all of Shea Gibson's slides for him. So without further ado, let's get our full-blown tropical update with our tropical expert, Shea Gibson. You may have saw him live on our Facebook, YouTube, and Periscope feeds earlier, and he's back with us now. Uh, what's the latest, Shay?
1: Thank you, James. Yes, uh, you, you pretty much, you covered some of the basic uh, intro for the storm and uh, that it is a category Category three hurricane now winds with 120 miles per hour. Pressure is steadily falling. The storm looks like it is continuing to strengthen. So uh, there is some, uh, I mean, you know, we, we could be getting up to 130 mile an hour winds by the time this makes landfall tomorrow. Uh, and this is going to be making landfall sometime around midday, some, I would say sometime between 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. And, um, uh, along the Panhandle of Florida and this will be just east of it looks like at this point could be east of Destin, Florida maybe near Panama City uh, The eastern side of the storm is going to be packing the most punch as far as the storm surge goes with that onshore flow wrapping into the storm. I want to go ahead and take a look at the COD this is College of Page. and right now This is the infrared loop and you can see the amount of sheer amount of convection wrapping around the core of the system now the eye is not very well pronounced. It looked like it might have really had a good closed off eyewall sometime late this afternoon into this evening, but I think the Southwest Quadrant is a little bit open and it still has yet to really get that convection closed around it. There is concentric banding that is occurring. And as we see on the mimic imagery, this is microwave imagery of the core of the storm. Uh, We can see here earlier, the Southwest Quadrant was open and it looks like it still is just a little bit along this area. Now the concentric bands, Uh, really peeling around show that it's a strengthening storm, but until we get a really good closed eyewall and possibly a secondary eye wall before landfall, that's when we're going to see even more strengthening. So it's it's really, it's kind of hard to tell exactly if it's going to strengthen to a Category 4. The Hurricane Center is is sticking to their guns on a Category 3, but we could see further strengthening, and that would draw the storm surge up. Let's go back to the map real quick from NHC. U.S. rainfall potentials. James showed this. We're seeing a large swath of rain. The good, the silver. Uh, I said this early. The silver lining for this is that the storm will not be stalling out, or it won't be a prolonged event for any long period of time. It's going to be on the move. It's going to drop a lot of rain as it goes through, but it's going to race off to the northeast. And the reason is because we have high pressure in the Atlantic that is banking the storm around it, and then we have a cold front approaching from the west that's going to draw this storm up and along it and race it to the northeast and back out of the ocean. Now it may re-strengthen us a uh, uh, basically a subtropical, I don't know about subtropical that far up, but, uh, extra tropical storm at that point, once it goes off to the Northeast, uh, storm surge warnings are up. we got to sign the disclaimer on this every single time, but basically just east of Fort Walton, Florida, down to Northern Tampa Bay, uh, storm surge warnings in effect. And we're looking at pretty significant effects here. If we go to the storm inundation map, now I'm going to use the, whoops, click that one two times. Storm surge inundation. We always use intertidal layer with this. And as we zoom in, we start to see uh, a lot of reds and oranges of this storm, especially right here uh, in this area of Florida, just east of Panama City, where we're gonna be getting nine feet. If we bring the the legend up, we can see greater than nine feet above ground. NHC does call for some of these areas of Appalachian Bay, uh, all the way over towards Cedar Key, getting possibly 10 to 12 feet of surge above ground level. So this is pretty significant for these areas. Some of these outwards islands most likely will be covered uh, there is some instrumentation that we at Weatherflow have in this area, but we don't. We suspect that we're probably going to lose those instruments uh, due to the storm. Just the sheer wind and the surge itself is probably going to cover up the stations and, and rip them off of their nav aids that they're on. Uh, looking at um, our storm track viewer, and you can see this on windalert.com/slash storm/slash Michael, and you'll be able to see this product right here, but shows the winds in the area already elevated from a tightened gradient from high pressure. Uh, we have 22 to 27 miles per hour. Uh, these winds are going to continue to come up through tonight. We'll probably get the tropical storm force winds at some point tonight overnight into the early morning hours. And then that's going to continue to increase throughout the day with conditions deteriorating into tomorrow afternoon as the storm makes landfalls of Category 3, possibly higher. Now, saffir Simpson scale. Let me pull this up over here. This is your standard saffir Simpson scale with storm surge effects. Category three starts at 111 goes to 129. So we're already seeing 120 mile an hour winds. We get nine more miles an hour or higher, this is gonna become a category four. So the surge may come up on those inundation maps. Uh, So it's not not a good case scenario for the folks along the panhandle of Florida as the storm continues to strengthen. And that's largely in part by sea surface temperatures being very warm, so you have 28, 29 degrees C surface temperatures. This, is, this translates basically to about 82 to 86 degrees Fahrenheit for a lot of these uh, areas of the Gulf of Mexico. Tropical cyclone heat potential, if we look over this area, very rich, so the warm layer is very deep in the Gulf of Mexico, especially uh, where the loop current pulls the warmer water around as well. This is feeding the warm water belt that eventually becomes the Gulf Stream, but this is very rich, deep, warm water right now that is fueling the storm, and with relaxed upper shear loft, it looks like the storm will continue to uh, intensify overnight and into tomorrow. So it still has about a what 12, maybe 16, looking at the time now, maybe 16-hour window to, to intensify even more. So hopefully it won't, but it is possible. And I hope everybody along the area where the forecast cone is, I hope most of these folks have evacuated or gotten out. Uh, so definitely check with your local National Weather Service offices along the coast of Florida, which is Tallahassee and Mobile, Alabama, pushing inland towards Peachtree. In Georgia and up through Columbia, GSP, the Weather Service offices there, and along the coast, we're looking at storm surge, minor surge along the coast up to a couple of feet with tropical storm force winds, and so we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. That's the basic rundown of this system. A lot it's going to be having widespread effects. So there's lots to talk about. James, back to you.
0: Thank you very much. Shea Gibson in Charleston, South Carolina. We'll be seeing, seeing Shay again in a few minutes. And he's right. You know, if you live in a low-lying area, if you live, maybe you're watching us from the panhandle of Florida. You, of course, are under the gun here first. So if you're thinking about getting out and you live along that Gulf Coast, now is the time because the, c- the clock is very quickly running out. Uh, you know, this is not, obviously, Hurricane Florence. It is not the situation we were talking about a few weeks ago where they were turning around interstates or doing mass evacuations. And Shay's going to, I think, touch more on this in a little bit. But he's right. If you live in a low lying area along the coast that is prone to flooding and any sort of flooding event, this is going to be that type of scenario here where we're going to be talking about that coastal flooding uh we do want to go region by region we have a guest as well too we have lots to get to here and we see all of your questions that are coming in on facebook live youtube and periscope so please do keep those coming we're going to try to get to those as often and frequently as we can Uh, i want to go over to ricky matthews who as you uh, may know uh, is a pilot as well as a meteorologist and he is watching some real-time data coming in right now from the hurricane hunters is that right ricky
2: Yeah, watching some of the uh, flight ops come in tonight from the Hurricane Hunter aircraft. They they actually had two of them in there simultaneously earlier today. So that shows you how important that data is. They've been flying a lot of these aircraft in throughout the afternoon and the morning hours to gather data in all the different quadrants of Florence. Uh, What they do, if you're not familiar with how Hurricane Hunter aircraft work, is basically they take a C-130 or a P-3 military aircraft with propellers on them, and they fly them into the the hurricane, couple thousand feet up and they use different instruments, different types of observation techniques to get those winds down at the surface. And so some of the data that we've been seeing this evening coming in from the hurricane hunters has showed uh, surface winds up to 130 miles per hour. And of course that would correspond to a category four hurricane on the Saffir-Simpson scale. You see, that's one of the most recent flights as the uh, aircraft is still flying around in the storm. And James, if you click on that little graph there on the bottom left, uh, we may be able to pull up the data and see some of the recon odds. There's some of the wind barbs that they've been uh, pulling off recently, but certainly uh, 130 would classify as a cat for pressure has been dropping throughout the evening hours. And Shay, you know, that kind of all comes together. The interesting thing, this system kind of has a, a rather large eye. And so we seem to have that pressure drop and then slowly over the past little bit, the winds have been picking back up, but certainly picking back up and corresponding to those pressure drops.
1: Yeah, Ricky. Um, looking at the the hurricane recon now, uh, where they're going in, we're seeing the, the wind speeds uh, picking up. I think there was a, a higher reading at 700 millibars of, of 120. I think what the NHC says, but mm-hmm. looks like the speeds are starting to pick up here. And um, you know, 115 knots would definitely push it to the mid. I think that would might put it near Category Four, maybe not quite there yet. But we'll wait and see what the data compiles and what they what they derive from it. Uh, There's there's so much data to go over and then also the modeling that goes with it as well. So they're they're looking at ships model in particular for one of them uh, for guidance on it. So big question, I think, uh, is is where this is actually going to go through punch through Georgia and into the Carolinas and what effects we're going to have. So we'll probably need to uh, head over to Chris or. I'll let James guide that yep. one, but yeah, we we can talk about the coastal zones too. And Jared, you know, I'll pull up the National Weather Service latest briefing, and we'll go from there too. So back to you, James.
0: Thanks, Shay, and thank you, uh, Ricky, as well too. And we're going to continue to look at that, and uh, we do have we've done a couple shows in our archive about the Hurricane Hunters and the role that they play. There are live human beings right now, flying a plane, probably in the one place most of us would not want to be right in the middle of this category three hurricane, getting us data points that otherwise we wouldn't be able to get because satellite from space radar from the ground, those buoys floating in the water and the sensors along the shoreline are are great, but they can only do so much. So those hurricane hunters right now flying through the storm, as uh, Ricky mentioned, there are two aircraft out there right now. And so we'll continue to keep an eye on that and collect data as well, too. Uh, We do have lots we want to get to, and we kind of do want to go region by region. So what I'm going to do, guys, is I'm going to mix up our rundown a little bit and just verbally walk us through here. I want to go to Chris Jackson next in Columbia, because, Chris, I want to talk a little bit about the forecast of this storm. And i I can show some of these model runs here, actually, before we come to you. I want to have you talk a little bit about what it is that you're concerned about in Colombia, and then I want you to have uh, have you bring in uh, Melissa if you'd like. But if you'd like, I can start by showing some of those model runs that uh, Shay was just alluding to, and there are a couple of them here that you guys um, know that we frequently look at. And I'm going to go back to tropicaltidbits.com, uh, which is what we were just showing you a moment ago in order to show you those recon flights. But I also want to walk everyone through, just visually here, just to set the stage for the conversation we're about to to have using the American model. Over the course of the next day or two, you can see that the storm there, that L, right along the panhandle of Florida comes ashore and moves across Georgia, kind of crosses just south of probably Georgia over Macon and into the Carolinas closer to uh, the Columbia, uh, the Charlotte, uh, the Raleigh areas as well, too. Uh, we look at a couple different models. Uh, as you probably have heard, there's the European one. Uh, imagery looks a little bit different, but I'm going to go ahead and roll this all the way back. And we're going to do the same thing. And you're going to begin to see here that that low is going to kind of come in and for the most part, move across that same area. I'm sure by the time, by the time our show is done tonight, we're going to show you those spaghetti models, which even breaks these down a little bit further. But even if I play the Canadian model back a little bit, you can see that for the most part, we have a lot of consistency here. This, this storm, this low pressure system on the map here for the most part, give or take is in Uh, kind of that same location. So we have a lot of confidence in this forecast. Chris Jackson, what is it that you feel confident in? What is it that maybe you don't feel confident in just yet? When you talk about the Midlands, how are you guys preparing? What are your concerns?
3: Hey, James. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So basically what we're going through is, uh, you know, with with this storm that's going to move up from the southwest from the panama city area uh, you know the big the biggest concern is is going to be you know the threat of heavy rain some tropical storm force winds and also you know my biggest threat is going to be uh you know isolated tornadoes with uh, some of the bands as it as uh, michael approaches the midlands um just you know looking uh, i'm going to go ahead and share my screen real quick because i got some good stuff here
1: sure chris sorry right. I, had, I had the weather service that uh, cae up there with some of their uh, their PDF briefing, but let me know if you need right. any assistance with that.
3: Yeah, yeah, I got I got the uh, the latest briefing up, and now we got tropical storm warnings out uh, for Burke County, Georgia, Barmel, Bamberg, Orangeburg. Uh, yeah, that's all the tropical storm warnings through Thursday, and we still have tropical storm watches out for uh, Richmond County over in Georgia, then Aiken, Lexington, Richland, Calhoun, Clarendon, Sumter, and Lee County. Just through thursday also and then we have flash, flash watches through all counties until thursday so you know if you're if you're south of the greenville spartanburg area anywhere you know between let's say newberry and, and the coast you're under a flash flood watch or you know uh and if you're anywhere from columbia to the coast you're under at least at bare minimum tropical storm watch uh, just uh, scrolling down through here, you know some of the expected impacts. Winds, you know, 30 to 40 miles per hour sustained, with gusts to 50 are expected in the area. You know, between Wednesday night and into Thursday. And you know, with that being said, uh, 45 inches of rain, and uh, like I was talking about, the big, my biggest threat is going to be isolated tornadoes. You know, everybody needs to re- really be paying attention, especially early Thursday morning. Uh, you know by sunrise thursday morning and through you know the middle part of the day on thursday because it looks like you know with some of the model data that the, the center of michael is going to come really close to columbia now I would almost put a 20 bill on the table for 50 miles on each side of columbia i mean there's just that much consistency which is something that you know recently we haven't been uh accustomed to it. it's been a lot of uncertainty but you know the track of this i feel you know from the national hurricane center the national weather service all the local you know weather forecast offices us you know everybody seems to be really confident on where this is going and you know i think for the midlands uh, you know one of the biggest things is going to be the rain the gusty winds and tornadoes and uh you know with that being said i'll uh, i'll introduce melissa for, for those of you that that uh haven't been on with us before when she's been on, but uh, Melissa Griffin, you know, she's an assistant state climatologist, state of South Carolina, and she's going to talk about some of the flash flood threats that you know because uh, you know the eastern part of the state, especially the PD and over into the Grand Strand, are still dealing with the immediate effects of uh, you know Florence. on those three weeks after the fact. So Melissa, it's all yours.
4: Thanks, guys. Um, I appreciate the uh, time to come on this uh, this evening and talk to you guys a little bit about uh, what we're what we're expecting to see with the uh, rainfall here. Um, with Michael as it moves through. Um, There are areas of the PD that are still dealing with receding water. I was actually in Conway yesterday doing um, substantial damage uh, assessments to look and see the high water marks were at some locations in town, and the ground was still completely saturated. There was standing water in a lot of these areas, so it's not going to take much rain in order for them to to start to to flash flood again. One of the other concerns that we have is given the fact that when Florence came through, the wind threat wasn't as great as the rain threat. Um, With Michael coming through, the speed it's coming through, the strength that it's coming through at, with the saturated grounds, we're actually looking at the probability of having trees come down a lot easier. You're going to have the uh, the soils are going to be a little bit mushier, um, get good strong tree um, that doesn't have a lot of bend to it, still has the leaves um, and it can, can easily topple. And even some of those trees that um, look like they're in good health may not be because the root system has been substantially disrupted or um, damaged because of all of the leaching from the different things that were in the the standing water um, within the PD area. So that also is gonna weaken the tree. So we may end up seeing some of this tree damage as a result of the the waters that we've had that, that have been sticking around in the PD region for the
3: last two weeks. Right. And, and Melissa, if you want to take a look at my screen up and, and and James, if you want to bring it up uh, to the audience, I've got the flash flood guidance out from the National Weather Service over one, three and six hour period. If you just want to kind of talk about that and maybe what, what we could expect, you know, I can I can go between whichever hour you want to see.
4: Yeah, go ahead and pull up the flash uh, flash flood guidance. So yeah. what we're looking at is the the amount of rain that it would take um, to fall within a certain time frame in these areas in order for a flash flood, flood to actually happen. So as you can see across portions of the PD that were really impacted um, by the floodwaters from Florence, say like in Marion County, um, Orie County. Um, Dillon County, you're not looking at, at very much in uh, rainfall that would need to fall within a certain time period, you know, three to four inches for this these, these types of uh, flash floods to happen. Now, are we gonna see river flooding like we saw in Florence? No, the rivers are not gonna rise to that extent. They may come up a little bit, Um, The Waccamaw-Conway, I still believe, is in minor flood stage. Depending on how much rain falls, it could come up to a moderate flood stage. I believe the River Forecast Center, Southeast River Forecast Center, um, said that there was a probability it would come back up to moderate stage if they got substantial rain in the area. But we wouldn't see river flooding like we saw in Francis. But with the saturated ground and the inability for it to, to hold any more water, you would actually see the water start to collect a lot quicker than you, um, than you would see typically um, in any type of you know landfalling system. We just have these this leftover rain, these leftover saturated soils that are just basically going to compound the problem.
3: Right, and uh, you know if you if you look and uh, again on my on my screen I, I'm sharing here, I've got the five day uh, you know rainfall total map up, and you can see that nice swath of you know five to six inches of rain right over the Midlands, over into the you know I guess the northern PD of South Carolina, basically from Aiken, Lexington, Columbia, you know just a just a bullseye right for the columbia area so you know the biggest threat like i was saying you know from from the midland side of it is going to be the heavy rain the gusty winds and, and the threat for isolated tornadoes something really important to say and then i'll pass it off to uh, jared or whoever's next but uh you know the, the biggest thing is to really stay on top of the weather especially thursday morning as michael approaches because you know with these tropical tornadoes you can get a quick spin up tornado faster than the radar can scan the storm so you, you sometimes in these situations warnings aren't you know 10 or 15 minutes away so that's just something to you know to be mindful of and, and really stay stay on top of for the next 2 to 3 days
0: Yeah, absolutely, uh, Chris. And one of the graphics I'm going to pop up here before we actually, we're going to go to Ricky next just because I know he's got a time commitment and we want to talk a little bit about uh, eastern North Carolina and we'll work our way back down to Charleston. We're going to try to get in everyone's questions and everyone's region uh, because uh, we're covering both North Carolina and South Carolina. The graphic I have up on the screen right now from the National Hurricane Center outlines that threat, that wind threat, that's going to be associated with this storm as what will then be tropical storm. Michael comes across the Carolinas. You can see here that red, that transition. Translates to wind between 74 and 110 miles per hour. Uh, The orange uh, being about 58 to 73. So not only can that cause damage, but that can bring down power lines. Uh, We talked just a moment ago about that rain threat, and you can see just how far inland that rain threat stretches essentially from Charlotte through Raleigh, through Fort Bragg, down into Columbia, into the Midlands, like we were just talking about, so Interstate 26, parts of 77, 26, even stretching back over into uh, Florence and and probably towards the Conway area uh, as well, too. We do have a little bit of a tornado threat, so this is actually going to be something we're going to have to watch closely. We had a handful of tornado warnings that are occurred during Hurricane Florence. It's going to happen again here now with Michael because of our positioning with the storm as it makes its way on through. Storm surge is definitely going to be a problem, not only here in the Carolinas, but also along the panhandle of the Gulf Coast. Uh, Let's bring back in Ricky Matthews, who is monitoring the situation. We've asked him to take a close look into what the situation will be along uh, not only his home area in southeastern Virginia, but also eastern North Carolina, which Ricky is going to see everything from storm surge flooding along the Outer Banks to that rain threat in Raleigh.
2: Yeah, I think the most important thing to say first is that the surge threat will be significantly lower than it was during Florence, but still noteworthy. Uh, what I've got pulled up here is the river gauge outlooks and some of the surge outlooks from the Weather Service in uh, Wilmington. You can see here's the uh, surge forecast for Wrightsville Beach, and you notice up to around six feet minor flood stage there. So well, there will there will be a little bit of an increase in that tidal level Uh, It's not looking like it's going to be a significant tidal increase. But take a look back further inland here. The Cape Fear River, once again, predicted to reach moderate flood stage up to 53 feet uh, into that red area. And then checking out Fayetteville, some of these other rivers that go through there, uh, the Cape Fear up in in Fayetteville area, up to 44 feet. Even the Kingston area, the Neuse River, getting up to near minor flood stage once again. Let's go a little bit further to the north and east and into the outer banks here. Uh, What you're going to see is some of the gauges along Havelock. Uh, and then we'll go all the way up to Duck. Uh, once again, some of the river forecast and the surge forecast from the from the folks at NOAA once again coming in kind of towards an action minor flood stage for a good portion of the Outer Banks and a good portion of eastern North Carolina. But once again, heavy rainfall totals inland, Tar River reaching that moderate flood stage. And the same thing as you go down to Greenville, we're seeing a minor flood stage in Greenville. Close to moderate, though, along the Tar River. So biggest impacts along Coastal North Carolina is going to be a pretty gusty, windy day with wind gusts up to 50, 60 miles per hour, not out of the question. And of course, also the threat of some isolated tornadoes in that northeast quadrant. Pretty much all of North Carolina east of the track, so let's say roughly about Raleigh east, uh, and even portions of central North Carolina as the system moves up into that area, we'll see a risk for some tornadoes. We're also watching for those heavy rainfall totals, potentially a around four to eight inches for a good portion of North Carolina, especially right along that track. the center moves through even parts of southwest virginia you're not out of the gun surge there is looking at some of those numbers earlier uh not expected to be really too significant for a majority of hampton roads we will reach what's called action flood stage for a majority of our uh sensors and gauges here in the hampton roads area along the hampton river along the uh, james river uh one spot that may get a little bit higher is the mobjack bay area and that's already happening tonight just with a little bit of an increased tide cycle there uh so surge will be kind of a more of a nuisance level under the Hampton Roads area and also monitoring for the potential of very heavy rainfall and some wind gusts up to 50 miles per hour. It was interesting. Uh, they have not extended the tropical storm watches or tropical storm warnings up into the Hampton Roads area, and they do not anticipate doing so. Uh, they actually issued high wind watches tonight which i thought was interesting mainly i i guess because of the transition and how they expected to kind of be undergoing a bit of a transition as it moves off the coast but interesting to see that especially after you know some of the conversation been seeing in the past couple of years about getting keeping systems tropical in their nature as they move through there may be you know a little bit of other criteria come into play but interesting decisions there
1: yep ricky one thing to add is that a lot of these coastal areas we're already having pre-existing conditions from Uh, An increased easterly gradient from a really strong area of high pressure up off the mid-Atlantic. So we're seeing an easterly gradient, pretty strong winds today all the way down into south Georgia, uh, but pretty moderate up in the Chesapeake Bay area, tidewater area. And then we also have perigean tide fluxing going on this week, too. So they're already higher than normal tides. This is not good timing for this either.
2: No, and I think that's exactly what we're seeing there and across parts of the Hampton Roads area with some of those gauges reaching uh, moderate flood stage. You know, as you know pretty well, living in Charleston, uh, you get these high tide cycles and some of these uh, abnormal tide cycles. It doesn't take much to cause a little bit of water getting on some roads. And so I, I wouldn't be shocked if some of the normal spots that flood across Norfolk, Hampton, uh, down towards the Outer Banks, see a little bit of water from this system. I think the biggest th- thing is going to be, though, is – the winds will be a very breezy, gusty day, uh, you know, more of a, a minor to moderate tropical storm, but with the amount of rain we've seen over Hampton Roads and the amount of rain we've seen over North Carolina, could be a lot of trees falling, even in those kind of sub-severe winds that we typically associate with uh, thunderstorms moving through. So that'll be interesting to me. I think we'll probably see more impacts from this system across eastern Virginia than we saw during Florence.
0: Yeah, Ricky, and I'll go ahead and I'll show that uh, wind thread again because we had some questions in Facebook, and you can see, again, that uh, orange is 58 to 73 miles per hour red being greater than 74 miles per hour. And, you know, one of the things I think this map probably doesn't show you is we could see gusty winds coming back up closer to Interstate 85. We will go to Scotty Powell in a few minutes in the foothills to talk uh, about what he's expecting in higher elevations further inland uh, from this storm. But right now, let's go to Jared Smith, who is in Charleston, South Carolina, because we just touched upon it. Uh, Jared, it doesn't take much to flood downtown Charleston.
5: No, it doesn't. And, and and as we speak, we've got a uh, 7.21 foot tide in the harbor. It continues to rise, generally speaking around seven feet. That's where we get our uh, tidal flooding beginning. Seven feet mean lower, low water. I won't get into the details about all the different datums there, um, all the different measurements, but seven feet, that's the number. And uh, we are continuing to get up there, probably going to get to about 7.3, 7.4. It's actually a little bit lower than I thought it might have been tonight. Um, but again, Looking at um, the next several days here, we've got the ET surge guidance up. Um, Shay's got that up for me. And and again, we're going to see maybe a little bit of a lull. Um, some uh, it looks like a Sunday or not no, Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon. Sorry. And then. And then it gets and then it and then it once the center gets closer, then we're really gonna start to see that um tide spike up. And it could we could get close to that eight foot number. I don't know that we make it there, but it's certainly something that we're gonna watch. And again, it and again it, it doesn't matter as much, you know, if the tide is six or seven or eight feet, uh when it comes to flooding, when we got rain involved and, and we're gonna have rain involved, um off on. in fact we've got rain involved right now this is actually just a completely different system completely different little trough uh moving up uh kind of in between kind of an in-betweener uh moving in but we've got rain right now in charleston uh, hearing it outside uh, my window here and uh and so it, it's going to be kind of a, a bit of a rainy stormy night uh things we're looking for over the next couple days um you know, I, I got to emphasize, you know, Chris touched on it earlier. He talked about it and, and, and definitely, certainly here near the coast. Uh, you know, the tornado threat is real. Uh, I think we should be definitely taking it seriously. It, it's um, we're going to be, you know, just coming in on the wrong side of the storm. And if we get any breaks in the clouds, uh, that's going to potentially aid instability and um, aid some of those spin ups coming in off the ocean. Tropical tornadoes are brief. They um, are hard to warn for ask any warning forecaster. They're very hard to warn for um, Charleston. It will remember Irma um, and, uh, and, and what that was like, uh, it was kind of a harrowing few hours during Irma. So hopefully we don't have a repeat of that, but we should be prepared for that possibility. Uh, winds coming up tropical storm force across the, um, across uh, eastern south carolina certainly a possibility um gusts up to tropical storm force i think we're going to see a little bit more than bradford paris coming down this time uh florence for charleston and point south was mostly a non-event um and so this is going to be much more of an event than uh than florence was for us now as we get further up into the uh as we get further up towards the grand strand in those areas uh like melissa said earlier there is uh, there's still water on there's still water on the ground there's still plenty of water the waccamaw is still flooded uh, there's rivers you know perilously perilously close to starting to flood again so any sort of rainfall and any sort of wind is going to cause even more damage up that way so again the fact that Florence is a non event for us is going to somewhat limit the impacts that we're going to see from Michael. Um, but don't let that fool you uh i do think that we are in for some scattered power outages we are in for uh, some trees and power lines down we're in for some flooding in downtown charleston um, all the way up for the coast and, and and hopefully not but i think we've got we've got some tornado issues that we're going to have to deal with um national weather service did something interesting with the flood threat they issued a coastal flood advisory that goes for the next few days i don't think they've ever done this before um, I like it. I think it's a good idea. Highlights the threat uh, pretty well. And so right uh, roughly uh, midday Thursday when the winds shift around to the northwest, um, that coastal flood threat is going to come to an end. It'll actually be pretty nice on Friday. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, you know, just heavy rainfall, you know, you know, there's going to be potential for localized flash flooding. Uh, you know, downtown especially be really vigilant about this. And um, and again, that tornado threat and this, and, and that tornado thread is going to come overnight Wednesday, so make sure that you have a way to receive warnings. Make sure that those warnings can wake you up. Uh, that is critical. Uh, hopefully, we don't need it. You know, hopefully, you won't need it. But again, the wireless emergency alerts, great way to do it. Um, make sure that you uh, have those turned on, and, uh, and your no weather radio, and just some batteries and flashlights in case you do lose power um but overall you know again it, it could be worse but it could be a lot better too so we just want everybody to be vigilant about this and and you know, don't freak out but be prepared um it could it could definitely be a pretty significant pain in our rear ends for the next couple of days yes James, back to you
0: thank you jared we'll be monitoring it whether radio is a good reminder uh your cell phones as we all know in the past week or so we all got that reminder about how they can be used in emergency situations uh we talked a little bit about the midlands a little bit earlier i want to go uh up to scotty powell give him a chance to weigh in because i know he is concerned about the terrain and the rainfall that they're going to get uh, there in western north carolina i'm going to ask him to speak a little bit of if he can about upstate south carolina too north of 85 where we start to get into a little bit of that terrain and then we have some other things related to storm surge and of course all of your great questions that are coming in uh scotty uh, what is it that you're watching at this hour
6: thank you, James. Uh, luckily here in the Carolinas, you know, we really didn't uh, feel a lot of the effects from Hurricane Florence. And uh, somehow we uh, are, are, are kind of avoiding the major impacts from Hurricane Michael as well. I'm going to uh, share my screen here. This is the latest information. I, I couldn't come up with any graphics better than what uh, what is is being shared from uh, the weather service here. Let me, here we go. Uh, so this was the, uh, the latest um, information packet from uh, the National Weather Service here in Greenville, Spartanburg. Uh, just kind of highlighting the information of what's possible here in the uh, the western North Carolina, upstate South Carolina area. Um, we'll go to this graph. I think this kind of is a great summary uh, winds. Uh, the eastern upstate, um, towards the uh, the Interstate 77 corridor, and the southern North Carolina Piedmont, towards Charlotte, uh, Concord, uh, Union County, places like that, is where we would see the the highest wind gust. Uh, tornado threat is small, but it is a little bit there uh, along the Interstate um, Interstate 85 corridor. That's uh, places like Charlotte, uh, Concord, Union County, uh, back towards. Um, um, Oh, man. Uh, Rock Hill, places like that uh, in, in the uh, northern parts of South Carolina, uh, Greenville, Spartanburg, places like that. Uh, the flash flooding threat is, I guess, the most significant threat uh, for western North Carolina and the, uh, the upstate of South Carolina. Uh, that is a significant uh, threat just because of the, the rain that um, Jared was alluding to that's happening in Charleston. Uh, That's expected to move more into western North Carolina as we get into the early hours tomorrow, uh, so we could see some rain start to uh, really uh, pile up here in the foothills. So uh, we uh, highlight the escarpment here along the Blue Ridge Mountains. This is uh, uh, portions of Buncombe County, Rutherford County, McDowell, Burke, Caldwell, up into Wilkes County. Uh, even down towards the upstate of South Carolina. That's where we start to see those um, those higher rainfall amounts that could uh, approach 4 or 5 inches of rain. Uh, and then uh, as you get into Hickory, Lincolnton, Gastonia, uh, down towards Chester, South Carolina, Lawrence, South Carolina, Abbeville. Uh, we're looking at anywhere between two, three, four inches of rain. And then once you get to Charlotte on east, towards uh, Monroe, Rock Hill, um, Salisbury, places like that, we could see anywhere between four to five inches of rain, and that is also a highlighted area for some flash flooding. Uh, in fact, the uh, the flood risk is uh, going to be on the limited side for Wednesday, uh, and then as we go into Thursday, you can see that a significant risk of flash flooding uh, anywhere along and to the east of Highway 321. The uh, elevated flash flood risk would be along Interstate 40 down towards the upstate of South Carolina. And then as we get into the mountains, let's say uh, Boone uh, up towards Burnsville, Marshville, uh, Marshall, Bryson City, Waynesville. It's kind of a, a limited threat, so not really a, a high threat of flash flooding. But with that terrain, it can also uh, kind of ink out a, a couple of inches of rain up there. And then also... Um, as we talked about uh with the last storm there's the potential for sea and uh some isolated landslides just because our areas had seen so much rain this summer um that uh we're getting heavy rain events it seems like every week and uh in those heavy rain events we're, we're seeing these smaller uh, to moderate sized landslides so Uh, Again, another uh, dose of heavy rain could uh, potentially bring some landslides. But uh, our main concern right now would be uh, the the heavy rain threat. Uh, Anywhere between two to five inches of rain is a good possibility for the Western North Carolina upstate area. Uh, Power outages is also possible just because if we do see some of those wind gusts, 30, 35, 40 miles per hour with the saturated soil, that could bring down some trees and power lines. But thankfully, the tornado threat um, is to our south into our east more towards uh, eastern North Carolina and then where Jared and, and and Chris are in the Charleston and Columbia area. So uh, we feel like we've eked out again. Uh, again, this could all be subject to change as, as Michael makes a final approach to the Florida panhandle. But uh, western North Carolina and the upstate of South Carolina, we could possibly dodge another bullet. Uh, that's uh, two for uh, this tropical season uh, as we uh, really didn't get any major effects from Florence. And as of right now, Uh, We think everything should be pretty good with Hurricane Michael. So with that, uh, James, I know there's a lot of questions. Uh, Shay's wanting to cover Florida. So uh, since there's not a lot to talk about here in the western part of the state, I will – uh, pass my time off to, uh, to more uh,
0: important topics. Thanks. Yeah, We have a lot going on right now as well too. Uh, about 30 more seconds before we get back into real time and some of your questions. I wanted to show this is one model run. This is the NAM, the North American model run. This is from earlier today, but I wanted to visualize for you that anticipated total rainfall. We were just talking about how some areas could see several inches of rain, uh, but I wanted to also mention we have not talked about the triad yet, and you're going to see some of the outer effects of this too, but probably most aligned with what Scotty was just talking about. So you could see an inch or two of rain. You could see some gusty conditions as well, too. But for the most part, if you live closer to that Virginia border in North Carolina, whether it's uh, along the central part of the state or closer to the I-77 corridor, uh, you're going to see some effects of the storm. But uh, again, the most severe portions of this storm will likely be further to your south, uh, especially with that tornado threat we, we talked about here. Just a reminder for you, it's it's really kind of where you're located on the eye of that storm. Where that tornado threat's going to fall, which is why when we popped it up earlier, you kind of could see that it kind of sliced and followed the coast uh, inland a bit there uh, because it's all on that eastern side of the eye. So when we look at the tornado threat outlined here in yellow, you can see it's really from everywhere from Raleigh, Charlotte to the south and to the east. Uh, This is a big storm. It is one right now that as we are preparing here in the Carolinas is already impacting the Gulf Coast. They are seeing effects of this storm essentially from New Orleans along the Gulf Coast past Tampa down towards Key West. Just look at it here on satellite. You can see just how big this storm is and how big its footprint is. And that's what we're going to be watching for over the course of the next few days. Shay Gibson, I know you're watching right now for all those folks who are tuning in or wondering about loved ones and friends along the Gulf Coast. What is happening? There tonight,
1: right, James? Thank you very much. Um, yeah, definitely want to get back to Florida. I know there's a lot of Florida folks that are watching tonight, uh, so uh, we we want to. I want to present uh, this the storm track again and sort of zero in and, and tell you what's going on here. Miramar Beach looks like about the furthest point to the western side, maybe between Destin and Miramar Beach. Uh, so this area still is in the track. Now this the storm looks like it's going to head towards the eastern side, maybe near Port Saint Joe. Uh, Panama City looks like a more likely area where this could make landfall. It's it's pretty close to land. We can almost kind of make this kind of uh, guesstimation at this point about exactly where it's going to make landfall. The track is narrowing as it gets to the coastline. Uh, so, you know, these folks here at St. Vincent, uh, St. George Island, Alligator Point all the way up to Cedar Key, this, this entire stretch is going to be the flood inundation area. High, very high storm surge for this zone. Uh, but over here on the western side of the storm, Remember, I said the eastern side was the most was the strongest that packs the most punch. It's the opposite on this side as far as the surge goes, because the winds will be starting out east as of right now and east, northeast, eventually turning northeast and then to the north, which makes it offshore winds. When we get offshore winds, we get water that blows out of the bays. This Choktawachi Bay, for instance, and we get these coastal breaks where the current is going to be extremely, extremely dangerous. Coming through here with this water being pushed out of the base, we may actually get negative storm surge closer to the core of this where the water gets blown out of the base if it does in some of these areas. Uh, you know, it depends on where you are, where this track exactly takes it to how much the surge is going to be uh, emptying out versus coming in along the eastern side. I want to take a quick look at the ET surge map. For the Gulf, and just to give you an idea, now I'm gonna, I'm just gonna pick a spot over here. It's Apalachicola, Florida, and show you what the surge is. Now the blue line represents the normal tide. This is the harmonic tidal uh, gauge right here, and uh, and you can see how much higher it's about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven feet over normal, getting up towards nine feet above mean low water levels. That's why they said 10 to 12 inch surge above ground level. This is the estimation here in the black hat right here means high astronomical tide so we're looking at several feet above that and this is this is a very disturbing to see even for a GFS prediction to go this high with this amount of water for the surge so that that's kind of what we're looking at for this area I know a lot of folks in the Florida area when you get over here Pensacola even though the the actual red line right here is showing what is occurring there's an actual surge from the south some of that has to do with perigean tide but that's also a surge out ahead of the storm the swells are increasing So we'll see if this verifies. If the storm gives you a northerly wind, it may calm this down. We may see these numbers start to fall in time and get back down towards the blue line. Uh, So we'll we'll see about that to to determine what happens. The other thing I wanted to show was the Weather Service PowerPoint for this area of Florida. Let me pull this up real quick. I know that there's a lot of folks in Florida watching right now, and this is what to expect. This is out of Weather Service, Tallahassee, Florida. And of course, the effects will be a little bit less over here where National Weather Service um, Mobile, Alabama, picks up uh, where Fort Walton Beach and Pensacola are. But this is where ground zero is going to be. So Panama City, Apalachicola, winds greater than 110 miles per hour. This report was done uh, this afternoon at 2.21 p.m. So this is not including the latest information. This is the latest briefing, but it's not including the latest information from the Category 3. So we could see these numbers uh, spread further inland and actually widen out a little bit if the storm is growing in intensity. So this is sort of your track guidance here. 95 to 110, pushing all the way into Mariana. Uh, Tallahassee, we'll be seeing 74 to 85 hurricane force winds all the way up to Albany. So for really far inland is where these hurricane force winds are going to be felt. Wind threat potential impacts, extreme for these areas in the purple. Uh, That goes all the way inland to Blakely, Dalton County, Thomasville. Uh, High for Albany, you'll see a lot of damages from wind. Uh, occurring in these areas especially where the winds start in one direction they switch to another the ground's wet the wind's been in one way they've been back the other way and they snap or they fall over altogether uh, wind threat potential impacts tropical storm hurricane warnings all the way in uh, potential storm surge flooding this is from 5 p.m today so this is a little bit more updated and they're calling for florida panhandle six to eight feet above ground gulf county through franklin eight to ten feet above ground Wakula, Wakula county through taylor county 10 to 12 feet Dixie County eight to 10 feet above ground. Uh, Storm surge inundation is is likely to begin as early as tonight, peaking tomorrow as it makes landfall. So you're gonna see that surge coming up. I actually just saw a picture from, uh, let me see if I can pull this up. Uh, This is Skyway Bridge in Tampa Bay. Friend of mine, Robert Griffin, took this picture. So we're already seeing flooding in the Tampa Bay area just along the eastern side of the storm. And they're not even gonna get hit directly. This is is indirect uh, for this area. Uh, so back back to here, flood inundation, we went over that. Expected storm rainfall totals, we're looking at seven to 10 inches along Apalachicola or Panama City, uh, and lessening as we go further west, looking at four to five inches and maybe three to five as we get over towards Pensacola, Florida. But these this is ground zero where the heaviest rainfalls or the most uh, the highest totals are likely to occur. Uh, tornado impacts elevated for all of these areas where the storm is making landfall, uh, naturally where the winds are the highest going over the, the ground. Uh, and then there's a summary here so i don't want to get uh, too much into all the text there but you can definitely see some of the issues that are going to be occurring along this stretch of the florida coastline and uh i think that that's going to do it for what i have to say about florida there's a lot of folks tuning in wondering what's going to happen and and so you're seeing it the the worst of it is going to be occurring along that eastern side of the storm once again here's the infrared radar or the uh, satellite imagery showing the storm growing in intensity and i think Yep. James, unless you have uh, anything else you want to ask about Florida or any questions, I think I do. I, can... I do,
0: and I'm going to let the audience at home know right now, uh, get your questions, comments in, because in just a moment we are going to answer some of those. But before we do, I want to bring back in uh, Melissa Griffin who is wearing two expert hats tonight, where she is currently the assistant state climatologist here in South Carolina. You spent 15 years uh, doing that in Florida. So Melissa, I'm curious to know from a human level, having lived there, how do people prepare? What, How do they take this data and, and what impact does that have uh, as they prepare for the storm kind of on a human level?
4: Well, most of the friends that I know take hurricane season very seriously and Maybe that's because I drilled it in their head over the years that we've been friends. Um, And they actually start preparing in, in the beginning of June. They will go get their supplies. They'll have their generators. And then they'll just wait for the storm to come. They'll gas up everything that they need. Um, I can talk, probably one of the, the the example that you hear everybody talking about is in 2016, Hermine came through Tallahassee. Um, and that was the first storm that had hit that area since 1985 when Hurricane Kate came through in November. And it had been such a long period of time that there had been so much in the overgrowth of the trees that even just with the, the, the winds that are associated with a category one hurricane, There were areas of downtown Tallahassee, which is a metropolitan area in the capital of the state, that were without power for almost two weeks. And, you know, you're talking about an extensive amount of tree damage that was done. There wasn't a lot of surge that was associated with with Hermine. But around the coast, um, Dennis in 2005 hit that area. They were actually projecting a storm surge of three to five feet, and they ended up getting a storm surge closer to 10 feet. And that had to do with the concave um, shape of Apalachicola Bay and also the West Florida shelf and the movement of the storm. And so that's one of the reasons why they're projecting the storm surge to be so high in that area is because that bay is going to be on the right-hand side of the storm as it tracks and makes landfall, um, as Shay was mentioning earlier, some, somewhere between um, you know, Miramar Beach and Apalachicola, somewhere maybe close to Panama City or Mexico Beach in that area. And that is going to push that wall of water up into to that area. Um, they've issued evacuations. The That area along the coastline of uh, Coastal 98 through the Appala- um, Appalachian Bay area um, is small towns. Um, hopefully, they've heeded the warnings. Not many houses are elevated in that area. So when you're talking about a you know 15-foot potential storm surge in that area, you're talking about um, you know, houses being completely underwater. So they've been really urging people to get out of the way of the storm. But when it comes to something like this, this storm, I mean, this is a storm that I lived in in Tallahassee, 1997 to 2017. I went through numerous hurricane seasons, and nothing like this. Um, I mean, you you basically have to prepare for the worst and really hope for the best. And then. What we're seeing out of the models, what we're seeing with the storm, um, you know, it's very likely that they're going to end up having a, a near Category 4 hurricane with substantial um, wind coming through that area and causing damage. Um, and, you know, they, they are using terms like life-threatening and devastating in, in the uh, forecasts from the National Weather Service.
0: I appreciate that perspective, Melissa. And you're so right. This is going to be a long lasting event for them during the event and all of the recovery that follows because not only are people in that area who have decided to stay going to have to ride out the storm, but all of the power outages and everything else that's going to follow. I'm sure Chris Jackson, a former firefighter, always has this on his mind that at a certain point, these first responders aren't going to be able to get out there and they're going to have to protect their own lives until the storm dies down. Is that right, Chris?
3: Uh, that's that's right, James. Uh, you know, just depend on which jurisdiction, what agency, and and their local, you know, their local topography and geography, you know, m- most everybody suspends, you know, 911 services somewhere between the, the 40 to 60 mile per hour sustained wind uh, time frame. You know, once once you get winds over that, it's, it's really not safe for anybody to be on the road. And, uh, you know, 60 mile an hour wind with a, a power line dangling in the wind, that's not safe for anybody, even for a first responder. So, you know, that's, you know, Heed the warnings. Gosh, if if people's watching from Florida, along the Gulf Coast, you know, in the area that, that's under evacuation warning, you haven't left, please leave. Because I, I, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but this might be the one of the worst hurricanes that ever hit that portion of Florida that that I know of. And open the floor to Florida, anybody else on that one.
0: Yeah, Certainly a major storm, and as we talked about, the uh, topography is not helping us at all there. So we will continue to watch the situation unfolding along the Gulf as those of us here closer to home, in the Carolinas continue to prepare for what we hope will be tropical storm, Michael, by the time it gets here. Uh, Over the course of the last hour, you've been sending us questions on our Facebook Live, on our Periscope, and on our YouTube, and our friend Scotty Powell from Morganton, North Carolina, has been monitoring and compiling those. Uh, Scotty, what are folks talking about? What are some of the big questions we need to get to here before we wrap up tonight's special program.
6: Lots of folks asking about uh, what's specifically going to happen for their area. So hopefully we've covered that. Uh, There is a couple of questions about that, but that we really haven't paid too much attention to. One of those from Deb Mim. She's wanting to know about the Augusta Aiken, kind of like the the Savannah River Valley. And so Chris, I know that's kind of your area. So maybe we can uh, briefly talk about what to expect in that area.
3: Yeah, absolutely, Scott. You get the, C- the CSRA, the Central Savannah River area, you know, encompassing some of uh, uh, Edgefield County, Aiken County, top side of Barnwell County, you know, Aiken Augusta area. But, you know, Aiken Augusta area is going to see you know the same kind of impacts uh, highlighted from, you know, the, the Columbia and the rest of the Midlands. And I expect four to six inches of rain, uh, tropical storm force winds uh, uh, are possible, uh, you know, higher gusts to, to potentially 40, 50 plus miles per hour. Um, and also the threat of isolated tornadoes. Um, you know, this is going to really start evolving for the, the Midlands of South Carolina uh, and, and the CSRA, you know, the Augusta area, by uh, probably late Wednesday night after midnight and through the early morning hours of Thursday, and, and it, it will just continue to go downhill until Thursday afternoon. So you know, everybody, everybody that's basically along I-20 from Augusta through Lexington, through uh, you know, through Columbia, all the way over to Florence, and then 95 up to the North Carolina, South Carolina line. You know, four to six inches of rain, tropical storm force winds, uh, and, and and a threat for isolated tornadoes really, you know, on Thursday, late, you know, late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning through through most of the day on Thursday. Back to you, James. All
6: right, I'll take it from right, there. No problem. No problem. Um, Jared or Shay, I'll let you answer this one. This is another area we kind of didn't cover. Uh, we have some folks asking about the Hilton Head and Tabby Island, Georgia area. Uh, in particular, Michelle's wanting to know, uh, she's in Tabby Island tonight. Uh, she's wanting to know, would you suggest leaving on Thursday or should we leave first thing in the morning? So I know that's another area we've kind of not really hit on, so I'll let one of you guys talk about that.
1: Sure, yeah, I can take down this and that's National Weather Service, Charleston. that goes all the way down to Tybee, even further down the Georgia coastline. I'll, I'll go ahead and share because we didn't really cover Charleston too much. Uh, and I'll go ahead and present this. This is the uh, 5.30 p.m. briefing from the National Weather Service, Charleston, which includes all the way down. We are now under a tropical storm warning and uh, the next briefing will be at 12 o'clock midnight tonight. This is uh, not hard to find on the Weather Service under the tropical products. Really good. You uh, can see extends all the way down. And one thing that I definitely want to show real quick is the confusion about the track showing these particular warnings and watches. See, the blue is the warning here from NHC and the yellow is the watches going all the way up to the North Carolina-Virginia border. Um, These areas from the NHC only cover the coastline as you go further inland. Then you have to go to individual weather service offices to get that information. So just a, a quick point there, but getting back to the Charleston area impacts we're looking at uh wind minor damage to roofs sliding porch i uh, sorry siding porches sheds difficult travel on elevated roads and bridges uh we're looking at storm surge inundation and that's going to be that's going to be consistent through hilton head even down into tybee island we're going to have some pretty strong southerly winds some onshore flow really driving that water into the coastline that's going to create that <coughs> extra surge that they're talking about and uh also exacerbate the situation with perigean tides already pre-existing so we're going to get a couple of extra feet on top of that if you had flash flooding for these low-lying areas uh even like fort Pulaski, the road to fort Pulaski tends to flood in these kind of events so just to give you an idea down near the tybee island area hilton head i think most of hilton head seems to do okay but those low-lying areas that you know of in your area will be flooding for sure uh, we do have tornado isolated uh, areas where they could experience tornado damage with power outages again with the trees and power lines some possible power outages are uh, likely to occur. That says it right here in the wind impacts. <laughs> Greatest impacts, elevated for winds, elevated for marine. So we'll be seeing gale warnings out pretty soon as well. Uh, overview, uh, let's see here. Could be a major hurricane. Let me keep going down. I know that there's some extra information here. Uh, highest sustained winds, we're looking at 25 to 35 miles per hour, higher gusts up to 45 miles per hour possible. Uh, now, earlier I did see that there was a, possibility that we could see gusts 59 to 73 miles per hour. looks like they've backed down that a little bit, but we'll have to wait and see the evolution of the storm. If it goes further inland, further west, we're going to see it weaken quicker because it's over higher terrain. Earlier in the model runs, it was bringing it a little bit further down to the east along the lowlands, lower than lone country, and that would have brought the winds up. So the further west it goes, the less effects along the coastline. So it looks like tropical storm force winds on the lower end for the most part for the entire region. Uh, and that's Wednesday night through Thursday. Scattered down trees and power lines likely for the greatest impacts. We have tornado threats here uh, on the moderate. They, they have it shaded yellow, but they're calling for moderate on that. Uh, typically EF0 to le- low end EF1 tornadoes. So these are very damaging. Either one of them are. A lot of these may be water spouts off the coastline that make it onto shore, uh, possibly make it onto shore. But basically, inland, you're going to see these these stronger tornadoes occur, and then likely they're going to be quickly moving. They're going to be over by the time you get the warning. Flooding rain threats, two to four inches for the most part, for most of the area. Uh, Some rivers could reach minor flood stage rainfall forecast you're seeing here. A little bit less along the coast, more inland as we head into Allendale, Sylvania, Statesboro, and up into Monk's Corner. And uh, that will pretty much do it. Uh, Now here they're saying gusts up to 50 knots possible for winds, and sees those in the marine impact, so definitely don't be going out and in a boat anytime soon. <laughs> I think that'll do it. Two foot surge, and uh, that's it for the Charleston area that covers
6: Hilton Head and Tobey Island all at one time. All right, thank you for that, Shay. Uh, a couple more questions. I, uh, uh, Chris, I'll give this to you. Uh, Sarah lives just outside of the Columbia area. She finds herself on the west side of the track, and she has heard, and we've talked about this before, but just reading her question, she's heard. The west side may not be as favorable for tornado development. Is that what we're seeing with with what you're what you're seeing, Chris?
3: Yeah, most of the time that's the case, Scotty. You know, when you get these uh, these tropical systems, big big areas of the surface low pressure spinning, you get the cyclonic flow on the eastern side of the storm. So uh, that's where you get the, the elevated shear, and you're really able to get those spin up tornadoes. And uh, you know, I know it's been said by a lot of people. And I, I don't want to. I don't want to overstep by, you know, anybody from the National Weather Service or anything like that by no means. But, you know, everybody says that, you know, these tornadoes are usually weak. And, and that is the case. But, uh, you know, just food for thought for a lot of folks in the Lexington area. August 16th, 1994, uh, the F3 tornado that went through downtown Lexington. Uh, everybody knows what that tornado did. That come from the remnants of a Tropical Storm Barrel. So, you know, these tornadoes can be quite strong at times. And so, you know, that's why I really want to urge folks just to stay on top top of the weather, what's going on in in your neck of the woods as as Michael begins to approach.
6: And Chris, I want to piggyback off of that because I have two more questions and then we'll uh, we'll kind of start to wrap things up. Melissa was wanting to know about tips for knowing if it's a pop up tornado with these tropical systems. These are things these are tornadoes that may develop without a tornado warning. I think you said that earlier, Chris. Uh, and Jared may have has as well as he was talking about Charleston earlier in the show. Uh, these tornadoes may pop up and then dissipate before warning has been able to be issued. So, uh, you know, with these situations, uh, it's just constantly someone staring at the radar and uh, seeing if we can see any circulation. So no really tips for pop-up tornadoes, but just know if you're in the path or at least on the East side of um uh, of michael that you could see a tornado and then the last question that i want to address before we kind of wrap things up and um oh goodness i've lost the uh, the person's name who was asking this um my, my comments are scrolling through but they wanted to know where's the best place to go for a tornado so i'm going to uh, share my screen right quick because um i love these little um these little little graphics that the weather service produces, and and I use these throughout the year. So these are are automatically saved on my computer. Uh, This is nowhere to go when sheltering from a tornado. You do not want to be on the top floor of uh, of your house. So if you live in a two-story house, uh, you don't want to be on the top floor. You want to make sure that you're down on the lowest level if you have a basement that's great if not move into an interior hallway maybe near a stairwell because you want to be in the most center part of your house another good place is the bathroom because that bathroom is the the structure in there is a little bit more uh, the integrity is there a little bit more with all the piping and stuff uh but if you don't have that you definitely want to uh, to move into an interior part the best case scenario is um, sheltering in a basement. If you have a no place to go, do not go outside. That is not a place you want to go. You don't want to go into a car. If you, uh, I've got a couple more here for tornadoes. If you live in a mobile home, um, it may be a good plan uh, tomorrow to uh, maybe if you live in the Columbia area, Charleston, Florence, uh, maybe towards eastern North Carolina, where we expect there could be a few tornadoes. Maybe you want to ask a family member who lives in a house, hey, can I come hang out with you for the day Thursday? Or or can I spend the night with you just because of the, the chance of a tornado? Uh, make Like I said, make plans a- ahead of time. Uh, mobile homes are not safe. You must seek alternate shelter. Uh, hopefully you have a neighbor or something like that uh, that you can um, talk to. Or can go to, uh oh, and I lost my last one here. One second. Uh, and then, if you live in an apartment uh, building or a university dorm, uh, go to the lowest possible floor in the central room, uh, crouch under an indoor stairwell or in an interior windowless hallway, and cover your head and neck from flying debris. It's also a great idea to keep uh, goggles and stuff like that. Um, you know to keep your eyes protected and, uh, and things like that. I do use these at school presentations so those were, uh, were handily array- uh, available for me to use but again uh, these tornadoes could be really quick and spin up and spin back down in the matter of no time. We saw that happen in Oklahoma today where numerous what we call QLCS tornadoes developed. Uh, they uh, touched the ground for about a minute or two Uh, create a lot of damage, and then then we're done. And that's kind of what we see with these uh, tropical setups. So, uh, 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 James, I'll toss it back to you. And I know you were talking about our playlist, Hurricane Hunters. We also had a uh, tropical cyclone or tropical tornado show that we did earlier this summer. So that's another one that maybe we can throw into our our little – our little carousel of uh, hurricane shows.
0: Yeah, that's a perfect segue, Scotty. Uh, If you were with us during Hurricane Florence, you kind of know what we do during these big events that happen here in the Carolinas. We go into, for lack of a better term, storm mode. So we will be bringing you expanded live coverage. That means in addition to our Wednesday night show, we're going to bring you special shows, just like we're doing right now, along with live events. We had the governor of North Carolina earlier today on our live platforms. We had updates from Shea Gibson. We will continue to bring you those Uh, as they become available and as news warrants. We're also going to be showing, of course, sky cams, radar, satellite imagery, all the latest that we have for you over the course of the next few days. And of course, when the threat is here and it is occurring, we'll have live coverage, especially of any tornadoes, uh, tornado warnings that do occur. We'll be bringing those to you right here on our live platform. Scotty mentioned when we are kind of in between some of those live happenings, we will have some of our best of programming cycling for you here on the live platforms of the Carolina Weather Group. So that'll be some of our past interviews. But of course if you want to see those anytime, you can find all of our episodes, all 250. Right, Scotty? As of last week, 250 on our YouTube channel. That's right. Yes, that's right. That's right. Hey, James, real
1: quick, not not to totally interrupt you here, but we just got uh, some message from Chris Jackson. It says, Category 4 advisory coming up. They're going to go with a Cat 4 or Borderline Cat 4 by Landfall. So uh, look for that to be disseminated in about an hour from now.
0: I'm so glad uh, Chris is wa- watching that as well as you are, and I saw it come down tweet Deck here a moment ago too, Capital Weather uh, gang uh, from Washington Post uh, putting that out as well too, that as we inch closer to this 11 o'clock hour, we're expecting the National Hurricane Center to update their forecast as they do uh, during all these events at 11 o'clock Eastern Time, but we'll get a whole new set of uh, graphics and everything else, and as uh, Shay and Chris just mentioned, uh, we could be looking at a Category 4 storm to be coming ashore in Florida by lunchtime tomorrow. And that's just the eye. The outer bands of that storm, as you can see on satellite, already beginning to bring heavy rain and wind to the Gulf Coast of Florida. So our thoughts are with those folks, and uh, we will continue to keep you updated right here in the Carolina Weather Group as well, too, with the impact here in North Carolina, South Carolina, and across the Southeast. If this is the first time you've watched us here in the Carolina Weather Group, or if you're listening to us on our podcast platforms that include Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcast, or your favorite podcasting platform, hello, welcome, we're so happy you're here. We wish it was under better circumstances, but we appreciate you trusting us uh, to bring you all of this very, very important information information but uh on behalf of everyone uh from the carolina weather group uh, we have of course chris jackson in columbia shea gibson jared smith in charleston we had ricky matthews on from uh, bristol virginia covering virginia in eastern north carolina and scotty powell and special uh thanks again to our guest uh, melissa griffin uh for coming on with her perspective for tonight i'm james bryerton here in charlotte uh thanks for watching the special edition of the carolina weather group good night